Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa. A passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we assess the performance of African champions Al-Athli of Egypt as they finish third at the FIFA Club World Cup in Qatar. Also, we review the African Nations Championship in Cameroon as Morocco won a second title and as Cameroon will also host the Africa Cup of Nations next year. The AFCON next year must be a suitable opportunity to make corrections. Shan was a kind of warm-up. That's coming later, plus lots on the English Premier League as Manchester City crushed Liverpool. But let's start at the FIFA Club World Cup in Qatar, where the African champions Al-Athli of Egypt took third place as they beat South American champions Palmeiras of Brazil 3-2 on penalties after a goalless 90 minutes. Goalkeeper Mohamed El-Shenawi was the hero in the shootout, and it's the best African finish since 2013 when Raja Casablanca of Morocco were runners-up, and it's the joint third best ever with TP Mazembe of DR Congo runners-up in 20. 10 and are actually third in 2006 and now in 2021 too. Well, Al-Athli, coached by South African Pizzo Mosimani, beat Al-Duhail of Qatar in the first round and then lost 2-0 to Bayern Munich in the semi-finals, but only conceding the second goal in the 86th minute before the win over Palmeiras in the third and fourth place playoff. What do you think about how Al-Athli did, Aida? A bronze medal is a very decent accomplishment, Steve, and especially considering that, you know, some fancied them the underdogs against Palmeiras. And it's amazing what the club has been able to achieve under Pizzo Mosemane. I mean, we're talking the CAF Champions League title, the Egyptian Premier League, the Egypt Cup, you know, and now third, um, getting that bronze medal at the FIFA Club World Cup. And, of course, Steve, a huge, huge kudos to Al Ali goalkeeper El for his heroics against the South Americans. I mean, it's simply been one milestone to another since Pizzo came in. And I do have to admit that this club really is the pride of Africa right now. Um, you know, we saw Bayern goalkeeper Manuel Noir, you know, showing his admiration for El Shenawi. The likes of Kaká came out in the course of the FIFA Club World Cup tournament, you know, to praise the African champions and say that, look, Mo Salah can't be the only one because there's so much talent, clearly, coming from this country. And of course, that huge performance against Bayern Munich, yes, they may have lost 2-0. But what a show, Steve, and especially in the second half. They weren't intimidated and put up a decent, solid performance. So I think that, you know, Al Ali can go back home with their heads held high. Congratulations to the club of the century. Oh, yes. And asking for your thoughts on this on social media this week. How do you rate Al Ali's performance at the FIFA Club World Cup, uh, taking third place after that penalty shootout win over Palmeiras of Brazil in the third place playoff? Uh, Al Ali, coached by South African Pizzo Mosimani, beat Al Duhail of Qatar in the first round, then lost 2-0 to Bayern Munich in the semi-finals, conceding their second goal in the 86th minute. 
So what do you think about how Al Ahly performed? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a comment there, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. How do you rate Al Ahly's performance at the Club World Cup? Well, let's go to the Chan now, the delayed 2020 African Nations Championship in Cameroon, which finished last weekend, and Morocco were the champions and became the first team to win back-to-back titles. This was the biggest football event by far in Africa in the COVID-19 era. It was also a test event for next year's Africa Cup of Nations, which will also be held in Cameroon, but with more venues. Now Planet Sport Football Africa's and GANO was at the tournament. He spoke to Cameroon's sports minister, Professor Narcis Moele Kombi, to get his reflections on the tournament. There were also very sensitive technical issues such as health management in a context marked by the COVID-19 pandemic, security, which highlight the complexity of this organization. We are happy to note that all the actors recognize the quality of the organization of Chan presented as the most successful edition of all editions, despite a context of restrictions due to COVID-19. And this edition attracted more spectators than several Afghan editions. The Shan was being played amidst a particular context with the COVID-19 pandemic. How would you say Cameroon fared in staging this tournament amidst this threat? The Chan was the very first competition to be organized with the presence of spectators. After consultation with CAF, it was necessary to set up preventive measures so that Chan does not become an appropriate opportunity for the large-scale spread of the pandemic. This includes 25% entry into the stadium, compulsory wearing of face masks, respect of physical distinction, the systematic testing of all the actors 48 hours before each match. I would like to pay tribute to all medical staff for their dedication and professionalism, which made it possible to carry out thousands of tests per day. One of the high points of the Shan has been the infrastructure. Having Good infrastructure is one thing, but maintaining it is another. Are you already thinking about how these facilities will be preserved for the Afghan next year? Indeed, we must jealously preserve our infrastructure for present and future generations. That is why we strongly condemned uncivic behaviors by certain spectators in certain sites, such as trampling of seats, In order to prevent these infrastructure from becoming white elephants, a deep reflection prescribed by the government is underway with a view to setting up long-lasting structures responsible for the maintenance of this infrastructure. The 2020 Shan was a dress rehearsal for the 2021 Afghan. I guess your mind is turned towards that tournament as well. The Afghan next year must be a suitable opportunity to make corrections. Shan was a kind of warm-up for the Afghan that Cameroon will organize next year. This means that it is imperative to get back to work 
Certain aspects related to the preparation of this event and according to the recommendations made by CAF, it is necessary to make arrangements nine months before the start of the competition. In addition, the can will take place in six venues. Everything has to be done and preparations must start now. As Cameroon's sports minister, Professor Narcisse Moele Kombi, speaking to Ngie Eno, he claims it was the best Chan ever due to the high attendances. Uh, no doubt COVID-19 was a big challenge and a good test event as some of the facilities that were used will also be used for next year's Africa Cup of Nations. So what are your reflections on the tournament, Ida? Well, Cameroon did a pretty decent job of hosting the chance, Steve. And look, as you've said, it does give some indication on just how the African will be um, come 2022. Though, of course, you know, we are talking uh, 24 team Nations Cup. You know, that is, of course, compared to the 16 teams that were there for the Chan. But yes, of course, it does give a gauge. So it's definitely up to Cameroon, you know, to maintain existing infrastructure and upgrade or build additional. You know, though the debate rages on, you know, on whether some of these stadiums are really practical post-tournament. You know, we are talking 40, 50, 60,000 seater capacity stadiums when post-Afcon and post-Chan, the the top flight league can barely call on to 5,000 fans in the stadium. But look, you know, that's a debate for another day. So, of course, all this was happening in a pandemic. And we did see some of the COVID rules flouted by fans, in all honesty, as well as teams, you know, such as DR Congo, for example, suffer mass infections. And it was also happening, as the sports minister has put it, against the backdrop of separatist violence in different parts of Cameroon. Though I will say that the government did a pretty good job, you know, of upholding security. Well, you know, as for Morocco, you know, simply too strong, simply too strong. And I think this is a testament on just how Moroccan football has changed in what, less than a decade? Because there has been that systemic change in the country's football. And it's been across the board, you know, from men's to women's football, from the league to the national team, Steve. I mean, four Moroccan teams made it to the CAF competitions last year in terms of the semifinals. And we did see Aris Berkane winning the Confederation Cup. Raja Casablanca, of course, won it in 2018. Don't forget, Wedad Casablanca won the CAF Champions League in 2017. So, you know, this is a country that is clearly taking local football development to another level. We're seeing a country, Steve, where top-tier clubs are transforming into public limited companies. We are seeing a country where the Federation actually gives each top-flight club a grant of 600,000 euros annually, you know. And Morocco was one of the few countries in Africa, you know, where the league was actually able to be completed, you know, that season. And they were able to complete the league in a bio-bubble. So the chance, Steve, was a much easier transition for them, you know, compared to the likes of Zimbabwe and Namibia, who hadn't played competitive football for over a year. And I think this also gave some insight into just why the likes of Egypt don't participate in the Chan because their team, Steve, would be simply too good. 
but it also cements North Africa's dominance, you know, in uh, in football within the continent with the African title in Algeria and now with the chance staying in Morocco. But looking at Mali with the second appearance in the finals um, in the last few years, and while the loss must be painful, Steve, it does show, at least to me, that their football is also developing. Yes, a North African dominance, and it's amazing the level that the Moroccan Domestic League is at now. wonder if uh, they might have to do the same as Egypt and not participate in the Chan anymore, as they are on another level, as you say there, Ida. And good to see the likes of Mali doing well too. And now after Cameroon hosting the Chan, we now look forward to them hosting the Africa Cup of Nations early next year. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, a Stuart on the English Premier League. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and our website is planetsport.tv. You can read Russ Bravo's blog on young English Premier League managers and the value of patience there. This after Frank Lampard's departure from Chelsea. That's on our website, planetsport.tv. You'll find it in the blog section. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, to social media now. And last week we asked, can Liverpool bounce back? After the 1-0 loss to Brighton last week, Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp said that he couldn't understand what happened and said that his players were tired. And after going 68 games unbeaten at Anfield, the Reds' defeat to Brighton meant they lost two home games in a row. And we asked, can the Reds bounce back this season? Well, we got your thoughts on this question before Liverpool's crushing 4-1 defeat by Manchester City at Anfield last Sunday, which makes it now three home defeats in a row and ten points behind the leaders, Manchester City. Here with your comments is Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Thanks, Steve. And we start today on Facebook with uh, Bankola David Oni in Nigeria, who says the battle isn't over yet. Liverpool will bounce back and uh, Kalanzi Dirisa in Uganda agrees. We need to be organized and then we will be able to bounce back, says Kalanzi. Remember, you will never walk alone. Uh, to WhatsApp now and uh, Richard Deco Ababio in Ghana also agrees. Oh yes, the Reds can bounce back. The league is not over and I believe in Liverpool, says Richard. Mohammed in Sierra Leone is also hopeful. Yes, I still think so because they have the manager and players to compete for this season, says Mohammed. I agree, they seem tired, but there are still more games to play in the league. So in a few weeks' time, everything can change in the table. Uh, but Lamin Sisse in the Gambia uh, takes a different view. I think Liverpool are a bit fatigued, says Lamin. Having two or three games in a week is making the boys look so tired and the injuries are also not helping them. The two midfielders playing in their defense are not in their right position. I think the Reds will only finish fourth in the league this season, says Lamine. And Desmond Tunde Koke in Sierra Leone agrees Liverpool may find it hard to bounce back. Yes, it will be hard, says Desmond. And the team will have to put up good and better performances if they want to retain the title. But Gray Mopia in Malawi isn't optimistic. No. I don't think Liverpool can bounce back, says Gray. Uh, this season, the team is not playing well. Santino Madut is in South Sudan. No, I don't think they can come back to win the English Premier League now, but they can finish in the top four, says Santino. And Lai Sisse in the Gambia agrees. 
They can bounce back and perhaps cement their spot in the top four, but the title seems unachievable now for Klopp's men, says Lai. And uh, Moses in Malawi also agrees uh, the English Premier League is uh, just a different league altogether. I'm expecting a new champion this season, says Moses. But James Wallace Jr. in Malawi isn't going to write Liverpool off just yet. It's still not over, says James. Liverpool has the potential to bounce back. And there is only one secret they should have to keep and work on, and that's to avoid losses and unnecessary draws. Manchester City is doing good now, but we can't say they will keep winning until the end of the season. And there will be three or four games where they are going to drop points. And we always welcome your voice notes here on Planet Sport Football Africa. And here's Modu Amar Jack in The Gambia. To me, I think Liverpool can still bounce back. From my own point of view, what I've seen is that um, teams in the English Premier League like these big teams, you know, when they lose their first game, their next game, they tend to struggle. But any time they get a win, you know, yeah, the spirit comes back and then they continue pushing forward. So it will be somehow difficult for them. Yeah, the spirit will come back. I believe so. So Modu saying there that if Liverpool can uh, get some more wins under their belt, the spirit will come back to help them push forward. Uh, but uh, Bime Robertson in Cameroon believes that it's now too late for the Reds. I think Liverpool are done with the title race, says Bime. Jorgen says his players are tired, but all the players are tired, not only Liverpool players. So for me, that's a lame excuse. Liverpool have crashed out of cup competitions, but Manchester City are still in every competition and so are playing more games. So I can conclude that with these types of excuses, Liverpool are done. And Dan Ogega in Kenya agrees. I don't see them bouncing back, says Dan, and because the players are fatigued. The squad has performed at the top level consistently for the past three seasons, and I feel that's all they can give. They got 97 points in 2017-2018, won the Champions League in 2018-19 and won the league in the 2019-2020 season with the same squad. It's hard to imagine that the squad can produce more than that. And to my way of thinking, the team is set on a downward spiral. And finally, Jata Samba in the Gambia says, well, this season is the best season in the English Premier League because many people were expecting Liverpool to defend their title. But things are far different at the moment. Football is football. So although they can bounce back, there is no way for them to be crowned as champions because they are far from their best. I believe they will surely finish in the top four. But as for the title, they have no chance. It will be either City or United. So then, Steve, many of our passionate Liverpool fans believe the Reds will be able to bounce back, while fans of other teams tend to be a little more objective. Perhaps looking at the overall situation in the title race and after Manchester City's impressive 4-1 win at Anfield at the weekend, striking another blow to Liverpool, the chances of Liverpool retaining their title appear all but gone. Yeah, to be honest, that's how it's looking right now. Thanks, Ephraim. That's Ephraim Tagu there. Thanks for all of those comments. It's always great to hear from you. And now for more on that game, let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir in the UK. That was a huge result for Man City, Stuart. Yes, Steve. With 15 or 16 games left to play, Manchester City now find themselves five points clear at the top of the table and with the game in hand on their nearest rivals. Last weekend, City going to Liverpool, missing a penalty and still winning 4-1, really was a very significant result. 
Ilkay Gudogan missed that penalty, hitting it high and wide, but then went on to score two goals, making him the first Premier League player ever to be denied a hat-trick by missing a penalty. Liverpool's Brazilian goalkeeper Alisson twice passed the ball straight to a City player, and on each occasion it led to a City goal. And I've never understood this modern obsession with playing out from the back, even when it's not safe to do so. As well as their overall brilliant play, Two things struck me about Manchester City. This was their 14th consecutive win, and for all of that time, the best striker in the league, Sergio Aguero, has been out injured, and arguably the best player in the Premier League, Kevin De Bruyne, has missed the last five games with injury, not that they seem to miss them. And secondly, at a time when there's pressure from the big clubs to be allowed to have five substitutes, City only used one sub in 90 minutes. Now, funnily enough, Steve, at the end of last weekend, Manchester City were top of the Premier League, Norwich City, top of the Championship, and Lincoln City, top of League One. A good year if your club's called City. But that was Liverpool's third consecutive home defeat. And to put that in context, Liverpool had not lost any of the previous 68 home league games. And that actually leaves Liverpool now in the top four only by one point. Suddenly, Liverpool, who were almost invincible last season, are in real danger of not even making the top four and the Champions League. Yes, Liverpool certainly need a change of fortune now. And uh, you're talking there of Manchester City's Phil Foden. Uh, Now he came through the England under-17s and was part of the England under-17 World Cup winning team of 2017. And you've done a bit of research on that team. Well, I've just been looking at the squad there were 21 players in the 2017 squad just to see what's happened to them. And 13 of those 21 players were from what we might call big six clubs. There were five from Chelsea, three from Manchester City. But really only three of the players could be said to have established themselves at the top level. Phil Foden, as you mentioned, played more than 50 games for Manchester City. Jadon Sancho at Dortmund and England as being successful. And Callum Hudson-Odoi has made 50 appearances for Chelsea, but like Foden, many have been off the bench. And this season, at Arsenal, Emil Smith-Rowe is just beginning to break through. I mentioned that five of the squad had been Chelsea players, but just to illustrate how hard it is for young players at big clubs, only Hudson-Odoi out of the five has made even one first-team appearance. All the others have had to go on loan. Angel Gomez got a sub-appearance from Manchester United when he was 16, but has never managed to start a game and is now playing in Portugal. And it's not just the top teams, because Morgan Gibbs-White made his debut for Wolves in the FA Cup as a 16-year-old. And while he has made 55 league appearances for Wolves, 45 of those have been as a substitute. He's never really managed to get a regular place. So of the 21 players in the squad, I would say that five of them may establish themselves as Premier League players, another five perhaps at the championship level, but about 10 or 11 of them look as if they're going to struggle to earn a living in the lower divisions. It just confirms that there are a lot of boys who have potential at 16 or 17, but very few who actually make it at the top level. That's interesting, and we wonder about the same thing with African teams like Nigeria and Ghana that do well at under-17 and under-20 level, but uh, many of those players don't seem to go through to senior level, just like uh, some of those England players. 
And back to the Premier League, Stuart. A long way to go, but the relegation picture is looking clear already. Well, just as Manchester City have the look of champions, I'm afraid the bottom three, Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield United, have the look of relegated clubs. Fulham are eight points behind Burnley, with West Brom and Sheffield United three and four points further behind. So that's quite a gap at this stage of the season. The problem is that the bottom three have only won seven games between them this season. And this inability to win games is likely to send them all down. Now, West Brom have played 10 Premier League games under manager Sam Allardyce and conceded 28 goals. And it's hard to win games if you're conceding nearly three goals per game. Fulham and Sheffield United have stuck with their managers, Scott Parker and Chris Wilder. But for all the effort, it looks as if the players are simply not good enough and none of the three have made any significant signings in the January transfer window. Yeah, so we might not have an exciting relegation battle this time around. And uh, looking back at the January transfer window, Stuart, uh, not that much business done. Yes, January 2021 was indeed the lowest and quietest transfer window for 10 years. Uh, This year, Premier League clubs spent $110 million and compare that with $685 million in 2018. And in fact, there were nine of the 20 Premier League clubs who neither bought nor sold a player. The most likely explanations are the effect of COVID on club finances and the effects of Brexit and Britain no longer being part of the European Union, meaning that signing European players is no longer simple. Interestingly, the two biggest transfers were Africans. That's the Ivorian Ahmed Diallo, uh, we mentioned coming to Manchester United for $25 million. And West Ham made permanent the loan signing of the Algerian Saeed Benrama. But what did really fascinate me was that Sheffield United added no one to their squad. Fulham took one player on loan and West Brom signed two players, but only for two million and three on loan. And normally you expect the bottom three to be the busiest. Yeah, indeed, to try and buy your way out of trouble. And what else have you got for us, Stuart? Well, referee Mike Dean has had a difficult week. Last week... In Manchester United's Southampton game, he gave a red card to Jan Bednarek. Four days later, he sent off West Ham's Thomas Susak when the defender's elbow accidentally struck a Fulham player. On both occasions, Dean did not initially produce a red card, but was advised by the VAR official to look at the monitor and on both occasions changed his decision to red. And the VAR official on both occasions was Lee Mason. Then both those red cards were overturned on appeal. This resulted in Dean receiving abuse on social media to the point that he asked for a weekend off. Now, while one understands fans' frustration, it's totally unacceptable to direct personal abuse at a referee who made a genuine mistake. But one further outcome is that it seems likely that Dean and Mason will no longer be paired together in future matches. Now, there was a comment by Peter Walton, the former Premier League referee who now works as an advisor to TV channels on refereeing matters. Walton said, I think the wider lesson is that officials should not actively go looking for decisions to change. Bar should be kept for changing those blatant injustices which could end up spoiling a game. Now, Steve, I think most people would wholeheartedly agree with those wise words. 
Ajax's Cameroonian goalkeeper, Andre Onana, has been banned for a year for a doping offence. The player who's appealing says that he accidentally took a medication prescribed for his wife, which contained a banned substance. And wasn't it in about 2011 that Colo Torre accidentally took one of his wife's diet pills? So, <laughs> strange situations. Finally, Steve, I have some good news for Arsenal supporters. Arsenal won the league in 1953 and again 18 years later in 1971 and again 18 years later in 1989. So since Arsenal won the league in 2004, 18 years on is 2022. But Steve, I don't think I would bet on it. <laughs> no, you can't always trust those statistics, can you? Uh, thanks, Stuart. And on the Andre Onana ban, his teammates at Ajax have been vocal in their support of him. Onana's gone to the Court of Arbitration for Sport to defend himself with the full support of his club. A right English Premier League this weekend. Manchester City hosting Tottenham on Saturday. Liverpool playing away to Leicester also on Saturday. Uh, Sunday's games include Manchester United away to West Brom. Arsenal playing Leeds. Chelsea taking on Newcastle. And then next Wednesday, Man City play their game in hand away to Everton. And the group stage of the CAF Champions League gets underway this weekend. Uh, some controversy as Widad Casablanca of Morocco refused entry to Kaiser Chiefs of South Africa, apparently over concerns of the variant of COVID-19 that's found in Southern Africa. So we'll see if CAF awards the game to Chiefs. Al-Athli play Al-Marek of Sudan. That game's on Tuesday to allow them time to get back from the Club World Cup. And a reminder of our question on social media this week. How do you rate Al-Athli's performance at the FIFA Club World Cup taking third place? You can post a comment on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five. Two three two seven eight zero. Well, that's it for the show for this week. So, from me, Steve Vickers, and Ephraim Tagu in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.